Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hi, babe. How are you? Hi. Oh my gosh. So good. But seriously, like I know you say this, that London is rainy and gray all the time. I'm not used to it. And that is what it has been in Atlanta for. It has never been like this. So I am so excited for this conversation that we get to meet up. This is like kind of picking me up today because this weather is killing me. Yeah. Every January, there's a, did I tell you this? There's like Blue Monday and it's like the second or third Monday in January where it's supposed to be like the darkest, longest day of the year. And sweet Chris, like every, every Blue Monday for the past like five years has sent me flowers because it's in that month in London where I'm just like, why did we move from California? Why are we here? Hey, I love he knows how to cheer you up for sure. I know. I love it. Yeah. We're used to it being sunny and warm by now, but it is not. But yeah, let's have this fun conversation about dun dun dun. You you wanna You want me to do it? What is a what is a coach? What why are we coaches? All about like what we do and like is coaching right for you? And like I think we just wanted to have this conversation because, well, for a lot of reasons, but because we didn't know that people like us existed when we kicked off on our journeys, right? Did you? No. No. Did you? No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like my only refer- like frame of reference for what a coach is, is what like, you know, playing on a field hockey team when, you know, I was a kid or whatever. Wait a minute. So you didn't even know what like a life coach was? Well, I mean, I knew what a, well... Yes, I knew what a life coach was, but like, what does a coach do? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a difference between, and then there's a difference between like a sports team coach. Like that's, there's a lot of tough love that comes in sports coaching that we do not, well, at least I do not do in my business. Tough love is not, you know, kind of my method at all. But, but I also think it falls along the lines of like, how many people like tell you like that they do computer, I don't know, that's probably not a good example, but like any job that somebody does that you've never done, are you ever like, like, but, but what does your day look like that you're do? like, what does it actually mean? And I think that's what we get from time to time. Well, often is like, but when do I need a coach? Why would coaching help me? How does that help me? And what does this actually like this coaching relationship look like? Because otherwise they're just jumping into the great abyss and going, Hey, like, I'm I'm along for the ride, but I don't really know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So true. So good. And so true is what I always like to say on this podcast. I've decided every time I listen to it back, I'm just sitting here saying so good and so true, but I'm just going to stick with it. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I did not know that there were coaches, you know, at like, and I feel like definitely here in the UK, it hasn't caught on as much as it has in the US to like have a life coach, have a business coach, have a I don't know there's so many different types of coaches now and I just think part of the real incredible impact that we get to have as coaches it's very simple and that we just get to sit across you know on a Zoom call like we're doing right now and just talk to a friend and talk to someone who's been there before and who has had this struggle And like, for me, I didn't have one person. I did not have one person that was a non-drinker. I had a girlfriend actually say to me, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to get a whole new set of friends. (laughs) And so I felt very alone and I was doing it during COVID as we know. And so to have somebody just, oh my gosh, I mean, can you imagine if we had each other? Like if I had anybody to talk to, I mean, I would have done anything for that. Yeah, so true. And I I think that so true that like the way that I like to describe coaching and kind of how I see what I do, because this is what I could have used back when I was starting, you know, this whole thing, this whole journey. Like I am a, I'm a professional. I bring my professional experience and I have my personal experience. So I'm a a professional and then I'm a, a coach, but I'm also like your best friend in that 
I get where you've been and you know, you can go to your best friend and you can like, even, even if you could bring it to somebody and bring it to your best, best friend, they're going to have maybe some, which by the way, like if you can with a best friend, great. But I know that before in the past, like best friends, are they going to be honest and totally unbiased in how they see things? Cause here's the deal. This is an uncomfortable conversation to have for people. And so to have somebody sitting across from you that is comfortable in the discomfort of this is what my relationship to alcohol looks like and I don't know where to begin and help like that takes a level of professionalism and someone who's also been there so I it's to me it's like what we do is kind of the marriage of you know the best of both being a professional and like your best friend. That's such a great way to put it. And I feel like when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, there are things that I've told clients about my drinking journey that I haven't actually even told my best friends, right? Because when you have that moment where they say, and I'm just giving this an example, and this example hasn't even happened to any of my clients, so I'm making it up. But like, I got in the car with one of my kids when I had had too much to drink. And you just... When you say that to someone else that they can look back at you and say, okay, but this is also, I had a similar experience or I'm a, I used to be ashamed that I had this experience when I did this, whatever, you know what I mean? And then like, I know how you feel about this, <laughs> talking about shame. So we're going to have to hold the whole conversation for another episode. However, for, for the next few minutes, we're allowed to talk about it. <laughs> That shame just evaporates, right? I mean, it's like when you say it in a safe space and you know the other person's not going to like turn around and run and hide or judge you. It's just so powerful. It is so powerful. It's so healing. It's so freeing because when we can have that like radical honesty, you know, with ourselves and in the presence of somebody else who, you know, we can we can say words and we can lie with our words like, oh yeah, that's not a big deal. You know, like somebody shares something, you know, I got in the car with my kids and I was driving and I had too much to drink and, you know, they're really, and they've taken, it's taken a lot of courage to share that vulnerably. Right. And they feel the pain of what that looks like to have somebody sitting across from you that's saying, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal, but yet they're reading in the person across from them that that person does think it's a big deal. That creates more shame versus someone who's sitting across from them going, Hey, you've got your stories. Listen, how much time do we have? Look at my stories. I've been there. I empathize with you and it's okay. Like I, there is nothing wrong with you. You are okay. And it will be okay. And I think there's a difference, but I think that's something too, that coaching brings that I mean, there are certainly times with my close friends when they've brought something to me, you know, years ago before I became a coach, like it's, they say something and I, a lot of times tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. But it's in that kind of like sharing vulnerably and then, you know, connecting in that way, it creates this space for openness and learning and curiosity. Like our, our goal, my goal is to inspire curiosity. When I was stuck in the drinking cycle, I wasn't curious about anything. Everything was like, this is the way it is. And there's no room for this. And then here are the rules. And here's the rigid borders of this. And like all these things, there wasn't any wonder or curiosity and possibility. It was just, this is the way things that things are. And so to inspire curiosity in another means I'm okay sitting with you in the discomfort that you feel about this. And, you know, And I have plenty that I can share of my own and I will. And yeah, we'll work through it together. Yeah, that's so good. And it's like when it's when you are like how is how I was saying, you know, I was surrounded by, you know, no one that I knew wanted to look at their drinking, you know, of course, how could I be curious if when I said something like, oh, my gosh, I finished the bottle of wine last night to a friend and they say, that's not that's not that big of a deal. I did that last week. Like, how is it supposed to inspire any sort of curiosity when everybody around you is doing the same thing, which is why I think, you know, as moms in their 40s, we get really stuck because it does look normal. And so to have someone else who has struggled, like we both have, who has been like formally trained and who's been doing this for a while, you know, you can 
you get a different perspective that like you so beautifully said, inspires a different way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's where we always talk about here, of course, that, you know, it's the stories that keep us stuck and the stories keep us stuck in unwanted habits and tendencies, patterns of doing things, patterns of thinking. And so, you know, when, when coaching with somebody, it's let's untangle these stories that are keeping you stuck in these patterns. Let's identify what these patterns of thinking and what these patterns and habit or behavior look like. Let's bring awareness to them, which by the way, we've talked before, like awareness can be this like super painful thing. It's, you know, when we're kind of ignoring it or pushing it aside, it's a little bit easier in a way and also harder, but you know, once you bring awareness to something, it's like, oh, but then here's this person who is, who number one has, has been there. And then number two is helping you kind of navigate those stories and okay, like borrow my curiosity. You don't know how to do curiosity yet. Okay. I got you. Like, let's, let's take that inner voice that you have. That's critiquing, you know, shaming and blaming you replace it with my coach voice. And eventually it will be a permanent replacement. And then my voice will be your voice. You'll, you will be your coach, but there's, there's so much, so much to it that I didn't even realize when I was like, yeah, okay. I want to coach her. I want to do this. I want to go all in with this. I didn't even realize how incredible this coaching relationship can be. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I think that's a good like transition to talk kind of a little bit, because I know we both get the question, like, what, why is coaching different than therapy? Right. And I think, I think that I always tell clients, they can definitely work in conjunction with each other. You know, that therapy very much like works on past. And we as coaches really want to look and think towards the future. And the other thing too, that's really different about it is everything that we just said, right? We're going to share with you as a client, just as much as you're going to share with, you know, us as co- as your coach. Whereas that's obviously a different you know, a different relationship that you have with your therapist. And then, you know, again, they can work very well in conjunction, but they are different. They are different, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as someone who has had many, many, many years of psychotherapy, professional therapy, counseling, and for certain seasons, man, like I'm so grateful. Shout out to Charlie in Virginia Beach, my therapist when I was in my early twenties. Oh my gosh. He was just an absolute gem for me. But something like this for me is like when I was at the, the therapy relation therapist relationships I've had, I felt like I couldn't make decisions or choices or, or do things without like getting the advice from my therapist. I felt, you know, kind of dependent in a way on the professional advice of the therapist. And there was a time and place where that was super, super important and healthy for me. But what I see now and the reason why I have my own coaches, like I, number one, like if you're looking into coaching, find a coach, no matter who it, like find a coach that has their own coaches, because to have a coach where, you know, they're helping you take forward movement. When you come to coaching, you feel stuck. Okay. How are we going to get you forward moving, getting you into that place of empowerment and discovery and choice? When you're stuck, you don't feel like you have a choice. And so you're like, ah, I need help. Okay, well, am I going to tell you what to do and then you go do it? Or am I going to help you figure out, I'm going to, you know, give you ideas and find the conflicts in your thinking and allow you to figure out what works for you with the support and guidance. And then you get to choose for yourself. And then that process is, you know, more beneficial long-term in this, in this way. I mean, certainly again, like not, not to knock psychotherapy, because there is definitely a, a place for that. What do you see as like the biggest other than the, or maybe you've, have you, I mean, can I ask, have you had psychotherapy before? Okay. Oh yeah. Like after my, yeah. After my mom, after my mom died, definitely. And I think, and I, this is one of the points that I have for us to like chat about, but I saw this gal for a while, but we just like, were not a good fit. And so, you know, it's one of those things with coaches and therapists, like you have to, you really have to find someone that that is a good fit for you. But I think, I think the biggest, and I, and I've had therapy before that too, but like, I think the biggest difference is just this aspect, like we started off the conversation with of, 
of the vulnerability, right? And and like you said, there's also, I think, a difference between getting professional psychotherapist advice and having someone, as in someone being a coach, ask you the right questions to unlock the answers that you already actually have inside you. You just weren't thinking of it that way, right? Which is so powerful. This actually happened to me where are we Friday on a call earlier this week in our first session, we had kind of been through all of the reasons that this gal thought that she liked to drink. And then we got to session two and she said something and I was like, Hey, you didn't mention that last week. And she's like, Oh my gosh. And it was just like this big, you know, and those big light bulb moments of like, I have been drinking to, to numb X and I didn't even realize it. And it's just so powerful when you just, you can see that light bulb, that unlocking, right? Like, do you have an example of something like that's happened? And it's just so powerful. I mean, I know you have lots, but pick one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I was just, I was just thinking about the power of finding the conflict in someone's thinking and how, you know, I have clients all the time that this is one of like my clues that they're stuck in, you know, conflicted thinking. And my job is to kind of be the person to the detective, if you will, and like helping them peel back where that conflict is. So they see it for themselves and then have that kind of light bulb, like you just said, but this is one of my favorites. I feel like they say, I feel like fill in the blank. I feel like I should know this by now, or I feel like this, you know, this should have, whatever it is, I feel like blank when they're saying, I feel like something they think that they're telling me, because one of my favorite questions, I always ask this, my clients get trained and, you know, we're going to start the call with what are you celebrating? And, you know, what have you been feeling? And so when I say, what have you been feeling? And they're like, well, I feel like I'm like, no, 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 no. I feel like it's a thought. And it's important when they say I feel like, because I can see that means there's a conflict in their thinking. You know, it's, I feel like this should be happening, but yet this is happening. Okay. There's your conflict. And then now let's go underneath that. What's underneath that? Well, you have this expectation for how this should be and blah, blah, blah. Why is that, you know, what is that expectation? Where does that come from? What does it point to? How do, how do we shift that? Where is that opportunity? So, so yeah, I, I love that when it's, we're listening, we're trained in listening for where that conflict is because that's 99% of you know, finding freedom from alcohol is, or really anything is figuring out where the thinking is in conflict. I love that. Let's talk about why coaching isn't scary when we talk about accountability. (laughs) Because I think one of the things that, you know, we we like to say, or at least I like to say, right, is one of my my jobs is to hold you accountable. However, That comes with a massive dose of grace and compassion, right? Because this is, or at least the way that, you know, the way that we both coach, right? Is like the the goal is to, you know, figure out how you want alcohol to show up in your life, whether that's finding freedom, whatever, whatever your goal is, is in relation to alcohol, how you want to feel towards alcohol, right? And so in, in our coaching, obviously, we ask clients, whether it's one-on-one or in a group, to go on a break. But if people have quote-unquote slip-ups, and I have to call them slip-ups so everyone knows what we're t- they're talking about, but like we don't even call them slip-ups, right? So like in the This Naked Mind world, we call these data points. And I think we should just touch on that for a minute, right? Because when you have someone holding you accountable to an alcohol break, but then you have you know, you, you do what you didn't want to do in the first place and you have a drink, like this is not a scary thing, right? We're not, I always tell my clients, I'm not kicking you out of the group. I'm not going to block you on WhatsApp. It just means we're going to figure out like what happened and like, what can we learn from that instance where you drank and you didn't want to drink? Like, I'm sure we'll probably talk more about data points at some point, but like, how are you feeling before? What happened during your day? Did it accomplish that thing that you opened the bottle for? How are you feeling the next morning? Like going through all this stuff. And when you coach with someone that coaches with this lens of like looking at data points, you learn so much from them. They're such valuable like sessions, right? Like they're just so good. And it it just, I think is such an incredible way of coaching people because it's not like 
okay, you're here. We're here for 12 weeks. Lock away the booze and we're not going to like think about it or touch it or anything like that. No, we're going to talk all about it, why you drink it. And if you do slip up, we're going to learn so much from it that you don't feel like you want to do that thing again, right? (laughs) Yeah. I love that you brought up the data points thing because yeah, what traditionally people would call like slips, slip ups, you know, like you said, in the, in our world, we call them data points. I turned them and we abbreviate them on in the communities and the groups that we do and all as DPs, data points. I turned them into growth points, GPs, because, you know, growth points don't, they don't erase all the learning. They create the opportunity for growth from seeing, okay, this is something I didn't want to do. And now this is something I, I, I did. Okay, great. The minute you slip into, oh my gosh, I failed at this. I didn't do this. You're in that shame and blame place where you're in that lower brain. You're not open to learning. You're not curious. You're not collecting that valuable intel that comes along with all the questions that you just asked about, you know, yeah, like what, what were your thoughts before? What were you feeling before? Let's collect this data, this intel, because it gives us clues to where there is still that perceived benefit or reward in doing the thing that you don't want to be doing. And so, yeah, taking them as growth points, it's, it's like, no, these are our greatest opportunities. And, you know, in that some people, they come to this journey and they decide that, yeah, I'm going to start now. And it's like the alcohol experiment way. Like we've talked about before where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to drink. And now I'm going to take a 30 day break and I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And that's where maybe those data points could happen. Great learning. It's in the learning that we we get that. Or it's I'm continuing to drink while I'm exploring my relationship to alcohol because that's where I can keep the shame and blame at bay so that I can actually learn and be curious and and have that upper brain online to do so. And then they get to a point like, I mean, that was my journey. You know, it while I was learning, I was still drinking. And then it was like, oh, there are no more beliefs that alcohol serves me anymore. And so I never really had like traditional data points because I, unless before this naked mind all the times that I tried to take breaks, but how valuable if I'd known what a data point was in this kind of methodology that we use, all those other times I took the breaks and tried not to drink, but then failed, quote unquote, made it to 21 days and not 30. I mean, that only accelerated my drinking because not only did I not follow through with what I said I was going to do. But like, I'm still doing the thing that I really don't want to be doing. Oh my gosh. Like, but that's the the beauty of this method and the coaching relationship in the way that we do it. It's not the tough love, like, okay, you said you weren't going to do that and you did it. And so like, what are you going to do? You know, like, You're out. there's none of that. Yeah. There is none wow. of that. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. It doesn't work at all. And, and that's such a great, that's such a good like tee up, I feel like to talk about then. And this, I think, is really counterintuitive when I say this to people. Like, you can also start coaching and still be drinking, right? So, like, you exactly like you said, could you imagine if you had even a little bit of the knowledge that you, you know, did later on than when you were in those, like, constantly trying to stop or moderate and not know. And that's the thing these, we're going to just call them growth points because that's so awesome. When you have these growth points... They're just totally different when you've got the the knowledge and the and the curiosity behind them as opposed to just like winging it, right? Like because you actually learn from them. And so this is a great time that we can talk about the pause, right? So you can start coaching even if you're still drinking, and that is just it's that those first steps right into curiosity. It's those first steps of like, okay. The shame doesn't work. The beating yourself doesn't work. The constantly feeling like you're a failure, it doesn't work. It's the biggest like way to stay stuck. But if you can just take step out of that for a second and just start to get curious about, okay, how how is this wine really making me feel? Is this wine really helping me be a better mom? Is this wine really like helping me feel my best and show up the next day? Or am I living our favorite phrase a B minus life because it's getting in the way and you can still be drinking and have these conversations with the coach. It's a great way to like tee it up, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a great, 
a great, it's a brilliant method that Annie came up with for act, you know, keeping that upper part of our brains open, you know, and online so that we can't actually learn. I mean, that was my journey for sure. And I, and I've never thought about it really in these terms before, but I broke up with social media years before I broke up with alcohol. And what I mean is like, I used to, I used to, even if, even though I wasn't like a huge poster, I spent a lot of time mindlessly consuming social media. Yeah. I mean, this has been years and, and I didn't have this awareness for how I, how it was making me feel until I don't know, at some point I was like, I don't know. I don't like how I feel this time of day. I don't like how this is taking over, you know, space, taking up space and me being able to be with my kids or whatever. And I started getting curious about like, how does it make me feel? Do I feel better after I've mindlessly scrolled social media or not? I did my own little experience. It was the same thing with coffee. We've talked about that before too. It's like, I didn't set out to change those relationships, but why they, why I ended up free from them, if you will, came from my ability to say, how does it make me feel when I do this thing? It's bringing like consciousness, awareness to what we're doing because it's so easy to be stuck in that mindless consumption of social media, coffee, wine, fill in the blank. Mindless consumption is, you know, that's what keeps us kind of in that trap. So yeah, having, having a coach that can say, okay, like, but how does it make you feel? Let's look at this from like a data standpoint. It's so, it's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. That experimental mindset is, and anyone that's ever, I think the a really relatable way to say it to people that are kind of new to this is like, if you've ever looked at like any sort of like food intolerance, right. And tried to remove something from your diet to see how it makes you feel like that's just kind of what we're doing, but we're doing it with alcohol. Right. Oh my gosh, this is funny. So <laughs> I wrote about my coffee experiment on my social media and someone didn't read the caption, obviously, because it was all about like having this experimental mindset. I would never have been able to do this if I didn't come from it from this angle of like, I'm never saying never to coffee. I'm just seeing what life is like without it. How is it affecting my body? How is it affecting my sleep? I just wanted to see <laughs> like the tagline of my post was something like I did a coffee experiment and someone was like, now you want us to give up, co up coffee? You're losing friends. And I'm like, that's not the purpose of this post at all. <laughs> but thanks for here <laughs> but it is it's about coming from this experience like everybody gets to decide right what what makes them feel good and maybe alcohol is not making you feel good maybe it's not maybe there's a small possibility that it's not serving you and that's we just want to have you try it on for size <laughs> well yeah if you're showing up to a space to be coached or to explore your relationship to alcohol, there is a part of you that knows that it's getting in the way and it's not making you feel good. If you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard from quite a few people. I've been so surprised how many people are listening that aren't listening from the, I don't know, this is a little sidebar, but in my life, I'm like, <laughs> how many men and how many people who aren't exploring the relationship to alcohol are enjoying kind of what we're sharing. But, and then you think about, well, obviously too, it is so applicable to whatever your habit or tendency or thing that whatever behavior or action that is keeping you quote unquote stuck, it's like, this is like newsflash. Like it's not that thing that's keeping you stuck. It is your thinking. You are stuck in your habitual addictive thinking. And that is, you know, the, for, for me, when I hire a business coach, I expect my business coach to find the, the conflicts in my thinking in my business that are keeping me from, you know, setting up my marketing plan or setting up, you know, this or that or whatever. Yes. It'd be nice if someone would just do that stuff for me. That's a different person, right. That you would source, but having the person that's going, okay, why are you blocked in this? Social media, for instance, was one a big one for me. I come out of training and it's like, oh, you got to use social media. And I'm like, but I don't use social media. I had this big block around. I couldn't bring myself to use social media. My business coach was because you're blocked in your thinking about it. So let's work on that. And I think that is probably the biggest difference too, between one of the big differences between like coaching and traditional therapy. Like we are looking for the thinking because when we shift the thinking, we create the possibility and that creates the shift in the actions. That's where we disrupt the, the habit loops.
I don't think, I'm not sure that that had anything to do with the question or the topic we were just talking about, but you know. No, but it just transitions so beautifully. So we're going to go with it. <laughs> Let's roll with it. Let's talk about the difference between, because I know we both coach groups and we both coach one-on-one. And I think that there is so much value for different reasons in both of them. Right. I think if you're really at a point where you, it's hard to talk about your struggle with even one person, then you're probably going to want to consider like a one on one relationship. Right. And then if you're, if you're someone that really wants to, there's such beauty in group as well. Right. Because you get to hear multiple people. Right. It's not just me or you telling the other person that this was a struggle. It's many people telling you that this was a struggle. And so there's pieces of other people's stories and group that you pick apart and relate to, which is so beautiful. And so, I mean, they're, they're both, they're both so valuable for different reasons. And one of the things that I like to do is, is offer like groups to one-on-one, like quote unquote graduates of mine who have like, we've wrapped up one-on-one and it's like, okay, well now you, you want to meet some other gals that are like doing this too. And like, that works really well and it's so fun. And it just, oh, I love it so much. It lights me up so much because I love talking to these gals, but I think another thing, and then I'll like, I want to hear about like your, the benefits that you see in both. But one of the things I think it's important to mention is that like, when we are coaching you, we are not just sitting with you on an hour long Zoom call, right? We are I give my WhatsApp. Do you give your boxer? I do. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's surprising how many people don't take advantage of it. But yes, there is access in between sessions through Voxer. Yeah. Yeah. So Voxer and WhatsApp, like for anyone that doesn't know what they are, they're just messaging, text messaging platforms, right? Or voice note messaging like pa- platforms. And so there's that extra element of like, if in between sessions, you feel like you're really stuck or really struggling or have a question on the material that we've given you or just want to say hi because we do become friends with our clients like that is also you know such a valuable valuable tool and I think with one-on-one obviously that ends up being a one-on-one messaging relationship and a group you know in a group at least for me it ends up being a group whatsapp situation which are so fun because as an ex-cheerleader I love to see cheerleading going on in my WhatsApp groups, right? It's like, had my first black tie event last night. Here's a picture of me in my, my you know, gown and my mocktail. And everyone's like, yay, emoji, emoji, emoji. And it's so fun. <laughs> That's, well, that brings to like my most favorite thing about the group coaching space is when I see this in, in coaching through some this Naked Mind year-long groups. I see this. It's this most beautiful thing when the participants start. And I see it in, I mean, my shorter length groups that I do too, when the participants start coaching each other. I mean, I have chills just thinking about how that happens. Everyone is you know starting the group and they're feeling, but all it takes is someone getting a little, little momentum or someone that's a little bit we hate to say further along or behind or whatever, but just in a different part of the path, the journey than somebody else. And that ability to like, I don't know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And it's one of the great things about group coaching is it's not just me and Christy sitting here as those rainbow unicorns who we can't, we never saw me and Christy in when they were (laughs) stuck in the drinking cycle, what that looked like. But you know, of course, of course they found I've freedom. Some, I've got some pictures. I've got some photos. <laughs> Listen, that's one of the benefits of being in my, in my groups. I share those photos. It's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> they are out there. But being with people who are on the journey alongside you in real time, experiencing the things that you're, you're feeling, the things that you're thinking, the things that you're doing, having similar experiences in in, in real time as each other, like there's just nothing more beautiful and the benefit of the connection that comes through sharing vulnerably. So whether that is in group that, which is huge and somebody else is, all it takes is one person to share vulnerably and then everybody else feels like they have permission to do so. And that's where another favorite thing for me, just kind of in the group setting is seeing that snowball, but then the one-to-one offers this, I'd say this accelerated, customized journey that really gets to, you know, we always talk about like, it's about alcohol, but it's not about alcohol. It's, 
it's about like the stuff underneath it. Like, why am I tapping out of my life? Why am I, you know, doing all that stuff? And, and there's something really, you know, just beautiful too, about that one-to-one where people are bringing for the whole hour, all the, all the things of their week. And it's like, here, what about this conflict here? What about this conflict here? Some of the limitations with group is that we can't, you know, do that with everybody every Do that week. to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's incredible because the, 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 the growth and the knownness I feel like is something that I think is very special and beautiful too. It's like that knownness that comes from, okay, like I can sit here and I can just bring everything and have this place to like dump it out. And I know that this person sitting across from me is not judging me. And I know that they're going to help me find that little step or two out of stock and give me my little, you know, a tiny new action, a, a little tiny Tina for me to take on my way and then start that momentum back up. So yeah, different types for different people, but I also agree with the, I love the, when you've done the one-to-one and maybe you don't, you're, maybe you're ready for that group experience. That's, I love, I love being able to put folks over there too. let's talk let's talk about two final things first i want like let's talk about how like coaching is different than like traditional programs that you may have heard of before and then let's wrap up with like how do you find the right coach for you so i know when i was like in the real depths of my drinking (laughs) i was doing some googling and I was looking at rehabs and I was looking at AA and I was looking at all these programs and nothing seemed to feel right for me, right? A like a inpatient rehab felt like my drinking wasn't bad enough. Like I wasn't physically dependent on alcohol and I didn't like even know, you know, again, I just didn't think I would like quote unquote qualify for that. And then, you know, in a kind of traditional 12-step model, the idea of, I know we talked about this in our spicy episode on like labels and everything, but I, I didn't want to, you know, admit that I, no, that's not, that's not the right wording. I didn't associate with that label, but also the big thing for me was I didn't want to have to go to meetings for the rest of my life. Right. And so let's talk about how like traditional rehab and traditional 12-step and coaching are really different because like as we've kind of talked about before we hopped on the call, alcohol use disorder is a spectrum, right? And so there are, and thank goodness, right? Thank God there's, uh, there actually are a ton of options out there now, right? There, I like feel like there's more than ever. So don't even just take it from me tonight, like go do your research and like find other groups and other coaches. But but if you're like brand spanking new to this and you only know of 12 step or you only know that you have to go away to a rehab, this is a great alternative for someone that that just wants to talk to someone, with, again, with professional training, who's been there. But also, and the thing that's so great about us is like, I know we've talked about this too, like we end up staying, like making friends with our clients, staying in touch with them for a long time. But like, I don't want to be coaching my clients forever. Like I want you to find freedom and go do life and find your purpose and serve Jesus and be an awesome mom and do all the things. But I don't want to have to like, you know, coach you forever. And you're not going to have to have coaching forever, if that makes sense. Right. Because we're going to get to a point and it's different for everybody, but you're going to get to a point where alcohol just it doesn't even feel like it needs to be a thing in your life anymore because you realize it has no benefit for you. This is not something that you have to keep on for the rest of your life. And if you don't show up to a, a session, you're going to immediately fall back into this trap, right? Like it's, that's a, a reason that it's different and that it's powerful. But you, I want you to also obviously speak to like how it's different than like traditional methods that most people have heard of. Yeah. I mean, you, you've covered it so well. I, I think the two things that come to mind for me are the traditional methods are behavior-based. It is, here is this thing that I'm doing and let's quit doing this thing. And so it's about quitting drinking. It's about never picking up the drink again. It's about, and to do that requires men, we've talked about this before too, you know, kind of the willpower method of that. It, it's that like trying every single day not to drink again. When I was stuck in the drinking cycle, I, like you, did not think I qualified. 
because I hadn't had a rock bottom. My drinking didn't look like a problem, so to speak to, you know, to anybody else from the outside. And my big thing was alcohol was taking way too, too much space in my life. It was taking up time in my thinking, my be- like everything, right? I've, I've gone into that a million times here to go to something behavior-based, like a traditional method where it's now going to require a lot of my time and take up a lot of space, mental real estate and time. For me, it was like, well, I'm just trading one for the other. There's no choice there. So for me, that did not feel like it was getting to what I was really looking for, which was for alcohol not to be taking up so much space in my life. So that would be like the kind of the big difference that, you know, I think makes this so appealing to people as well in the space is like, this isn't about quitting drinking. This is about exploring your relationship to alcohol and figuring out what freedom from alcohol looks like to you, because you can be alcohol free. You can live sober, i.e. alcohol free. But if you're still thinking about it and using willpower and trying every single day not to drink, are you free or you can be free from alcohol because you've changed your desire to drink. Therefore there's no temptation. Therefore there's no, you can look at alcohol. You can be around it. You can look at that old bottle of Sonoma Contrera and be like, Oh my gosh, you could not pay me to drink that. That for me was freedom. It's going to look different for everybody else. So, and and if you look at kind of the difference too, and why I think this becomes a very accessible approach for people is because there's, there aren't those rigid rule. This isn't a rules thing. So there is no, oh, I, I, I had a data point and now I've, you know, I've got to start counting my days over again. That brings on more, like we talked before, like shame and blame, making it doubly hard not to do the thing that we don't want to be doing. Whereas this is no, like as long as we're keeping in our upper brain and that openness, and that curiosity, we can explore this and we can get to the reason why alcohol is taking up so much space in our life because it's not because there's something wrong with us or we, you know, are an alcoholic or we have a, you know, that disease or we're like, it's not any of that. We believe there's a reward. There's some perceived benefit to doing the thing. And so that's where the thinking comes in. So I was talking to a client recently who was telling me that she has a a friend who has had, she's, you know, had success with AA over the past couple of months. And and I, and I was really curious, you know, we've talked about this before where like, we'd love to talk to people who have had experience and very successful, positive experiences with the traditional methods, because usually we're getting people that maybe have tried it and haven't been successful. And, you know, what does that even look like? But she was saying that what she has loved about it is because she's found this amazing group of women that she gets to like kind of do life with. Right. And like she gets to feel this connection too. And she got lucky where she lives that in her space, like there is, and then now it's this really cool thing. Like when you're out and about and you see each other, you know, in different social settings, like you're kind of like in this insiders club. I loved hearing that so much because I think that it goes to, it speaks to what's maybe the most important thing in creating maybe a, successful freedom from alcohol relationship is connection. And that's what, whether it's one-to-one connection with your coach, you do develop, you know, that, that bond or whether it's connection through group coaching, like we offer, or whether it's, you know, connection through an AA group or a traditional programming setting connection to other humans, knowing that you're not alone. That is probably the most healing thing we can do for the, for the shame. And if you think about the role of evil and how evil does its best work, evil wants us to be alone and hiding and, you know, isolated. That's where evil does its best work. That's where shame comes in. That's where fear takes over. That's where we're more separated from the Lord. And so finding a space where you can be connected to another human or humans who like we kind of started, you know, started this with like who get it. That I think is probably the most powerful part of this, this whole kind of process. That was a really, that was a really long answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was so, it was so good though. And I love the way that you differentiated like, you know, the behavior versus like 
you know, the mindset and, and it's true because obviously we know, and we've said it before, willpower doesn't work. And so that's so good. So let's just wrap up really quick by, by saying a couple of things about like, how do you find a coach that will work with, that you resonate with, that you connect with? I think it's finding someone, you know, with a relatively, and doesn't have to be the exact same, like similar story, right? It's like, I say on my website that I equip and encourage moms, you know, with grace, compassion, and a sprinkle of science. But I've also coached a lot of, you know, women that don't have kids. But so it's, I think, you know, finding someone with a similar story and just take that leap, you guys, because everybody that I know in the coaching world, and that's pretty much within the This Naked Mind community, but we all offer discovery calls for free. So feel free, right, to to reach out and, and see who you connect with and see who you feel like you could be open and vulnerable with. I think that's so important. What about you? Yeah, I yeah, for sure. I, I think what, what I love is, yeah, and I'm always surprised too, like, you know, I work with males, you know, I'm very much, you know, it looks like I'm the, the mom of, you know, with the young kids kind of coach, but I coach males. I coach some of my favorite clients are my, my older women clients. Oh my gosh. So I feel like I'm the one that benefits most from those coaching relationships. They have so much wisdom and that just fills me. But, you know, I would say like, so this is what I do when I'm, when I've looked for coaches before and before I kind of landed on the ones that I have as my regulars, but looking for a coach who has their own coaches, who's done the work, who is doing the work still. And so when we talk about doing the work still, I don't mean still working on changing their relationship to alcohol. Obviously that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing this, what I call forever work, the forever work of thinking about our thinking and how our thinking is contributing and influencing how we're showing up in the world and where, you know, when our values are not aligned with our actions, that's where we create our stress, our conflict. And so finding, so that's an ongoing journey. I mean, my thing was, was wine. I mean, there are other, other things that get in the way now. And so having a coach who also is actively in the work, doing the work in, in committed to growing and forward movement themselves, I think for me and all the coaches I've tried, that makes the biggest difference for me. So yeah, I would say look for someone who's doing, you know, maybe that's a question you ask, like, do you have your own coaches? And what is that? How have you used coaches? Because we all, we are not, you know, we're not objective when we're in it. We can't be objective for ourselves. And so having somebody else that can be that objective like here, this is what I see for you. And being that mirror, when you're feeling that conflict with whatever it is, having someone sitting across from you who can be that mirror that says, reflecting back to you that like, you are amazing. You are enough. You are worthy. You are beautiful. I know you don't feel that right now. I know you don't, I know you feel helpless. I know you feel all of the, the pain and the, all the, all of that that comes with it. But like, see me looking at you. Uh, with delight in my eyes and, you know, with kindness for where you are, because I get it. I've been there. And by the way, like we can do really hard things infinitely longer if we don't have to do it alone. And so don't be afraid to reach out to multiple. I love that. I'm not going to be the right coach for a lot of people. You know, you're not like, it's, it's, that's what I love about this space too, is there's so many different coaches, like find the person that you feel like you, you know, relate to and start there. Yeah. We have to wrap up, but I think our tiny Tina and one of Mead's clients or friends said she's now calling it the tiny Tina Turner. <laughs> I love that it's more yes. It's morphed, guys. It's morphed. So the tiny Tina Turner, I think, should just be like, start getting curious about coaching groups, all the methods. We're not telling you what to do here. We're just telling you that we're an option. And so go do some research. That's, I think, what the tiny Tina should be. What Do you, do you have anything to add to the Tina? Yeah, I was thinking, too, for tiny Tina Turner that we can pick up and put in our pockets today would be, is your voice the voice? of an inner critic or an inner coach. And if your voice is more sounding like an inner critic, what could the voice of another coach of a coach 
due for helping you train, train away from the inner critic into the inner coach voice. I love, I love, love, love when my clients and my group members say like, I had your voice in my head, you know, today when I did X, Y, Z, like I heard you saying this, this, and this. And I'm like, by the way, I'm really sorry because, you know, we all hate our own voices, but I'm also like, good, use my words, use my voice until that becomes your default. Because, because what we're doing is we're disrupting the old patterns of thinking and habits that come along with that. And we're creating new. That's what the whole tiny Tina is. Let's create tiny new actions and start training our minds towards new results from there. So yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Tiny Tina. Love it. (laughs) Well, we hope that you enjoyed this one, ladies. We will see you next Monday. Don't forget that if you'd like to connect with us further, you could join our community and we'd love to see you there. Speaking of connection and, and that's the other thing, right? Like, I love that you said that and I'm going to go just two more minutes here. Free, free communities. It doesn't, you don't have to do paid groups. Like start, start with a free community. Oh my gosh. What a valuable space, which they're valuable when there's engagement, when people, you know, start that going. So join, join our community or a different free community. Start that process of connecting to other people who've been there, who are on the journey with you, I promise you, you will feel so much better. It takes some vulnerability, some courage to do so, but it is a great, great first place to start. Maybe a last place too. Like maybe that's all you need. Great. Love that. All right, ladies, we'll see you next week. Bye, babe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.